Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, let's worship the Lord here one more time before we get into the Word today. Aren't you thankful for the church tonight? So aren't you thankful for the church tonight? Amen. In his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Amen. We're going to turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 tonight. And uh, appreciate everyone being here on a snowy Sunday night. And, uh, was at a funeral yesterday for a dear friend of mine. And uh, he was telling funny stories about his mom, and uh, anytime he went to town, he, uh, mom, do you need me to get you anything? And she said, she said, yeah. And on this particular day, she said, yeah, I want you to stop by McDonald's and give me some of them free weefies. And uh, he's like, what's a weefie, mom? And she's like, I don't know. It's it's in there. Go go in there. They're free. You go. You know, people are free stuff. And he drives in there and he calls her back and he says, mom, it's it's free Wi-Fi. And he says, if you, go, if you want free Wi-Fi, you're going to have to come to McDonald's and get free Wi-Fi. But I'm, I'm glad to, uh, to know I can come to church and have a connection. It's good to be in the right place, in the right location where you can touch God. And I appreciate this church. Uh, I just went in a prayer room. Is you all know I pastor in different cities now and just to sit in the prayer room and get back down memory lane a little bit remember taking my three year old boy in that prayer room praying to God for God to move in the service and for God to move and to look and see what the Lord has done just through this congregation is incredible and uh, I count it an honor to be here tonight I give honor to Pastor Bounds and the ministry team here Pastor Cody and all the daughter work pastors all the ministry here and especially to Pastor Mark Mielik and I love and appreciate him so much my wife and I are forever indebted to him when we came to this church he took us under his wing and and discipled us for well over a year spent every Monday night together just telling us that he believed in us and I think that's probably the, the greatest words that you can tell somebody is you believe in them amen I do feel a word from God tonight 1 Samuel chapter 1 I don't know why I'm reading verse 1 because there's a tongue twister right here in the middle of it and I probably ruined the whole thing. But we're going to read it anyway. It says, Thou there was a certain man of Ramoth, Ramotham Zophim. I told you. It's right there it is. Speaking in tongues, not even trying. <laughs> of Mount Ephraim and his name was Elkanah. Everybody say Elkanah. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives, and the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And two of the sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time that was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penaniah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. You ever been through something you just didn't really understand? And you asked why. It was a, it was a test. You didn't understand why he was going through a test. And, didn't understand why it was going on and why it was happening. This was Hannah. And verse 6 says, Her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Watch verse 7. As he did so year by year. Everybody say year by year. When she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Pastor Bounds has put a theme this year on the church is a, a legacy 
I want to preach to you tonight the elements of a legacy. The elements of a legacy. Let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to, to minister to us one more time tonight. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for the goodness of God, the mercy of God, and grace of God. We need your anointing here. Come on, would you just lift up your voice with me, lift your heart with your hands tonight. In the name of Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you for the church, God. We thank you for the body of Christ tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for perseverance. Thank you, God, for a heritage and a legacy, God. Lord, and we just ask you to move and impart to us tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let everybody say amen. You can be seated. I, a couple weeks ago, the Lord dealt with me about this. I was going down to McConnellsville, to the anchor of McConnellsville, with a friend of mine that I've been uh, endeavoring to win to the Lord for some time and uh, baptized in Jesus' name and just been in his life for a few years now. And he, I was telling him the story about uh, the Crooksville Church and how uh, when, that, when we were told that that church, we couldn't have church there anymore because of a structural issue with one of the main load-bearing beams. We've been having church in there for seven years and had a structural beam that wasn't sitting on anything. And uh, nothing was holding it up. And uh, I thank the Lord for this hand that's upon the church. But I, we was talking about that, and he made a statement. He said, I'm glad that, I'm glad that there was probably a lot of good people in that church. And uh, I said, so what are you saying? If there was a bunch of bad people in that church, it would have collapsed. And they're like, is that your mindset about the church? And uh, I said, I believe it would have been standing up had there been a bunch of bad people in the church because the Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And uh, I believe it takes all kinds to build a church. It takes all kinds of people to build a church. And when you look at Elkanah, I wonder in this story tonight, and I want you to think about how did Samuel become a prophet? We read about Samuel and how he did a great exploits for the Lord, but when you look at his family life and Elkanah, who, who, whose heritage went all the way back to Korah, and the Bible would tell us that he was the second son of Elkanah, so you could almost say that maybe he was born into rebellion, but here we have a man by the name of Elkanah going to the house of the Lord year by year to sacrifice. In my opinion, Elkanah would probably receive the dad of the year, the husband of the year award, because he had two wives. Now, the Bible doesn't support us having two wives. He, he, uh, you know, aren't you thankful for God's mercy and grace? But he created Adam and Eve, and uh, that was it. That was the law of initial precedence. But somewhere along the line, some crazy guy thought it's okay to have two wives. And uh, what a challenge. Could you imagine what the Walmart bill would have been like? <laughs> and I, I think it's something here that it's interesting to note that he, um, these two wives, as we just read, they didn't like each other. They, he had issues at home. Anybody got any issues at home? Don't raise your hands or anything. But there was issues at home. You know, you know what it's like coming to church on Sunday morning with a, with a house full of kids and you're trying to get them ready to church. And, you know, you've heard Pastor Bounce tell a story a lot. And husband and wife are fighting in the car. They get to church. They're lifting their hands and everything was all right. And one of the other one calls the other one a hypocrite. And he's like, oh, I'm that hypocrite. I, was, I, was mad. I, was, I wasn't mad at God. I was mad at you. So praise God. So, you, you know, and... But they, they had a real thing going on at home, and it's, it's, it's a, a picture that they despised one another, and the Bible described, actually literally describes Penaniah as Hannah's adversary. It was her adversary. It was a rival, and the, things weren't exactly ideal in the Elkanah household, but, uh, and he had trouble at home. But another trying thing to note here is that there were some issues going on in the temple as well. And I'm talking to you about the value of a legacy tonight. I mean, what, what, what is it that takes to, to build a strong church over the years? It wasn't because there was good times all the time. There was a lot of tests and seasons that you did not understand. There's been a lot of quiet times when the teacher was always quiet during the test. But when you read here in this story, you know, uh, Elkanah's choice of church that he went to you know, Eli, the priest, he was getting up in age, and many thought that 
he might be out of touch with the current issues and he wasn't a young pastor anymore and he was getting older and he was out of touch and so in that particular day maybe Eli wasn't just as sharp as he was and you know ministry had taken a toll on him so to speak and he was wise but the latter years of his ministry began to wane and now now the house of the Lord seems to be suffering so he brought in his two sons to help minister in the house of God and the problem with this was And if you're familiar with the story, you know he had two sons that weren't exactly uh, ideal saints of God for ministry. And as a matter of fact, his sons were very evil. Hophni and Phinehas were misusing the temple and they were eating meat off the altar when they shouldn't have been eating it and they had illegitimate relationships going on and, and these boys had some misuse and they were messing things up in the church big time and things weren't ideal not only in Elkanah's personal life but things weren't ideal in Elkanah's church either. But the Bible says whenever the day come to sacrifice, Eli, year or Elkanah, year after year, he went to the house of God to sacrifice. Even though there was issues at home, he said, you know what, we're going to the house of God. Even though maybe his pastor wasn't uh, as sharp as he used to be, you know what, he understood something about getting to the house of God and sacrificing in the house of God. He took his family to church. Were there issues at church? You better believe there is some issues at church. There's always going to be issues in the church. Why? Because you're in it. I tell people in Crooksville all the time, you're looking for a perfect church. Don't come to mine because you'll ruin it. So we're imperfect people trying to do the perfect will of God. And so Elkanah understood that everything might not be perfect. My goodness, if things were supposed to be perfect, why would we need God's grace and his mercy? And I might have some things that I'm working through and some trials that I'm working through and some things that I don't understand. But you know what? I'm going to the house of God and I'm going to worship in the house of God and I'm going to be in the house of God because there's some things in the house of God that you're not going to get anywhere else. But what our adversary does is he tries to take family issues. He tries to take church issues. He tries to take issues in the youth group. He tries to take issues in the worship team. He tries to take issues in the Sunday school department to tell you, you know, it's no use being in the house of God. They don't care what you think or they don't care what you say. And the devil will fight that. Why? Because he knows if you can get in the house of God and get into the presence of God, if you can remove the distractions out of the way just for a little bit and start to clap your hands, all you people in the Lord and have a mindset of this is the day that the Lord has made I'll rejoice and be exceedingly glad. He knows if you could under some powerful preaching that you just might be reconciled. You just might find mercy and forgiveness in your life. There's something about getting, getting the presence of God in your life. Amen. The, the Ark of the Covenant the Ark of the Covenant was taken from the children of Israel, the Philistines had it, and it went into the house of Dagon. And that was the God that they worshipped. It was a stone figure. It was half. The bottom of his torso was a fish. The upper torso was a man. And so what happened was they took the ark of God, the presence of God, and they brought it into their house, if you will. And something interesting happened. When the presence of the Lord, the provision of God, the word of God, the manna come into the house and something happens in that house. Ashdod rose early in the morning, the Bible says, and he noticed that Dagon was fallen upon his face before the Ark of the Covenant, which lets me know that one of these days every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And that's what I tell people. You can do things God's way or you can do things God's way. It's your choice, praise God. And you know what? The Philistines try to go back in and set their God up because that's what we do sometimes as church people. We try to, we try to have our cake and eat it too. And they bring, they bring uh, uh, this, this daggone God back up and they stand it up and something interesting happens. If you keep the presence of the Lord in your life, it will tear down strongholds in your life, praise God. You just 
be. I know things might not be perfect, amen, but somewhere you keep getting the presence of God in your life, and that old Dagon's going to die one of these days. Because the second time Dagon fell, you know what happened? The second time the head fell off and the arm fell off, which lets us know, you know what? The authority represents the head and the arm represents the reach, amen. If you'll keep the house of God, if you'll keep the presence of God in your life and a preeminence, at some moment the authority of God will rise up in your life, amen. And now you'll find yourself into this precious covenant with God that you can trust him. How many knows that he's the head and not the tail? Can I tell you today that we're not serving servant of God. He's already got everything done and everything's been established. He's went there and took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Amen. And he took the keys. The devil didn't have the keys to his own house, but he went there and took those things. And John the Revelator saw a vision that he was sitting on the throne. I want you to know something. The Spirit's moving, but God, he don't have to do anything else because it's already been done. And if you'll just get the presence of God in your life, you get the presence of God in your house, out of that, out of that throne flows rivers of living water. That's why you can come to church and experience deliverance and experience salvation. The work's already been done. What, what would hinder you today? And it's interesting. Please be seated. I want you to catch this revelation. Because God, he was going to reach the Ninevites. And he told Jonah to go preach to him. And God, God's going to, see, God's sitting on the throne, but he, I need a vessel to work through. I need a vessel to work through. Isn't it interesting? The Ninevites worship Dagon. Isn't it interesting when Jonah, because God's working behind the scenes in your test and in your trial. I found this interesting. What swallowed Jonah? A great fish. And those people that worship God and man was coming up onto the shore. And you wonder, why did it take an eight-word sermon from Jonah because when Jonah, that fish comes up on the land and spits a man out, they thought their God was being manifested in the flesh. But there was only one God that was manifested in the flesh. See, God can take your enemy and your idol and manifest his glory through it. Come on, somebody. He will take it. And that's why Jonah said, what would what, what an eight-word sermon do? Yet 40 days and none of us shall be overthrown. You know what? Because when God reveals himself in the miraculous ways as such, you will fall to a place of repentance to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. So, Elkanah. If you just keep coming to the house of God, you might see your brother or sister get their miracle. You might not understand why you didn't get your miracle yet, but you keep coming to the house of God. You keep praying the prayer again, just like Hannah did. She was, everybody didn't understand her burden and her, her, her angst because she couldn't have a child. But, you know, it reminds me of kind of a story one time of, you know, how I heard a funny story one time about a pastor. He was, he was preaching, and this young one lady would come to the altar, and every service she prayed, God, give me a husband. God, give me a husband. I want a husband. God, give me a husband. He finally went up to her, and he said, he said listen, you don't, you don't have to. God's heard your prayer. He's heard your prayer, and he'll answer it as he wants. He said, you start praying some different prayers. The next time at the altar, she walks up to the altar and said, God, please give my mom a son-in-law. God, please give my mom a son-in-law. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, there's something about persistence, and there's something about holding on to God. There's something about seeking the face of God in the house of God. You know, it's, it's those times where, you know, we hear that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, above all, according to the power that worketh, not works in you, but worketh. It's got to worketh in you. Amen. And, and, and it's when you don't feel like going to church. You better get up and go to church. And I, I'm all for okay with the people that stayed home tonight because of safety reasons, but I promise you some people stayed home tonight because there's a football game on and it's a little icy out so they could justify watching football games that come church. Amen. 
And what happens is when you do that, the big devils come to you, and you've given an opportunity to start running his big mouth against you and telling you that your priorities are out of whack. And you got condemnation and guilt coming upon you because you made a, you made a judgment and error. But listen, get up and go to the house of God. You got to get up and get back to church and get in the house of God. Amen. You got to get in the house of God. You know why? Because the church is always destined to overcome. And it's the church that God's going to come after one of these days. The church was established by Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And had the breath of life breathe into it. It's the church of the almighty God. But when we come to the house of God, the saints of God, it takes maturity sometimes. Sometimes that's what the tests are all about, to develop maturity in us. In the, Old, in the Old Testament, the saints were responsible. And Elkanah understood this, even though things weren't perfect in the church. The Old Testament saints were responsible for bringing something to the temple. They would bring oil to the temple. They would be bring, bring an, uh, something for expectation, if you will. They would bring the oil to the temple. In Nehemiah 10 and 39, it says, For the children of Israel, the children of Levi, shall bring the offering of the corn and the new wine and the oil under the chambers, which are the vessels of the sanctuary. And the priests that minister, the porters, the singers, we will not forsake the house of our God. You know what happens when unity comes together? God blesses all of our contributions. All of us do something that the other one cannot do. We, we call it coming together in a spirit of of unity in the church. That's what's so awesome about you being here today because there's somebody probably going through a little something over here that they ask somebody over here to pray for. Will you pray with me about this? That's an advantage of being in the house of God. There's some things, I know there's some times when nobody understands you and you gotta pray through yourself, but you hear me today. God has somebody who needs the prayer of a saint on this side and God gives somebody a word of encouragement through the saint on this side. It's what we bring to the house of God. So you got you got to understand this and make it a priority. That's why if me and Jesus have anything going on, if you and Jesus have anything going on, it's going to include the house of God. It's going to include the church. Can everybody say amen? It's going to include the house of God. And so that's why you, you wonder, creating a legacy. The, 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 the Pananiah and Hannah, didn't like each other, but they went to church anyway with Elkanah. Elkanah led his family house for even though things weren't perfect in church. You, you wonder if our kids are going to make it through church and our kids, are they going to survive? But I'm going to tell you something. I wonder why David said, I was young and yet now I am now old. I've never seen the righteous nor his seed begging for bread. And when things get tough and things get dry, mom and dad, you better get your family up and you better get them the house of the Lord. If you want your kids to have a legacy of when I was young and yet I was now old, you got to make up your mind. Listen, we don't, it's not always when things are going good. It's when there's adversity and Amen, when there's character integrity built in your life. It's the elements of a legacy. And you need the church. Don't let anybody tell you you don't need the church. Johnny James preached a message one time, says if the church is not your mother, then God is not your father. And so when, and in, in the Bible, you, you mark it in your Bible. I like, my Bible's all marked up. And I, you look at this word, together. Let us exalt his name together. Gather my saints together unto me for those that made a covenant with me by sacrifice. We took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of company. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Break forth in joy and sing together. All that believed were together and had all things in common. Peter and John went up to the temple together at the hour of prayer. The Bible says when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. When they were come, they had gathered the church together and rehearsed all that God had done with them. For we are labors together with God. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together and hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and if we'll hang on one of these days if we'll hang on in the church and hold on to what that is true the scripture tells us one of these days we're going to be caught up together to be in the clouds with Jesus Christ himself we call it the rapture of the church praise God what you got to do is quit listening to your adversary whatever it is amen and begin to lift your voice over the adversary's voice
I don't worship God because of the way I feel. I don't worship God. Listen, there's this thing in church. I'm telling you right now, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a developing thing that we have. It's a, it's, it's by God's grace that we grow year after year. And there's, there's the most, most church people. And I, I could throw all this. I, when I say most church, I'm, I'm talking to Pastor Richard. Okay, don't. But, but let's think about this today. When you know, it's kind of a, Brother Dillingham came to our church and taught a powerful session to our church, and he was talking about contract and covenant. And most people, when they come to church, you know, it's, it's one thing. When you enter into a covenant, it's like two circles. The circles are, uh, the, the top circle is what you believe, and the bottom circle is the way you behave. And between the two circles is a gap. See, a lot of us say we believe the word of God, but the way we act indicates a different thing, so there's a gap there. That's why you have to get to church and hear the preached word of God, because the preached word of God reveals the gap in your life that will lead you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, when you're in a contract, when you're in a contract and you hire a contractor for your house, they're, 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 two people come together, each pursuing their own self-interest. That is an advantage to both parties. Both of them get something out of the contract, but in a contract, it's about what each person wants. But in a covenant, two or more people, each respecting the dignity, integrity of the other, come together in a bond of loyalty and trust to do together what neither can achieve alone. It's not an exchange, but rather it's a moral commitment. Such is a marriage. Amen. When the men and women, my dad would always say, he would tell a husband and wife, he said, you know what, you're different. You don't think alike, and you're not going to act alike. You're different, and you really weren't made for each other at the end of the day. That's why God ordained a covenant. Because the covenant says, I'm going to be with you in the good times. I'm going to be with you for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health until death do us part. See, we don't need a contract with God. We need a covenant with God. Contracts are about interest. Covenants are about identity. Hallelujah. Covenants benefit, but covenants will, contracts benefit, but covenants will transform you. Contracts are about me and you, but a covenant is about us. That's what the goal of the preaching of the word of the Lord is. And when you come to the house of the Lord and when you feel conviction, praise God for that. Because God's trying to bring you out from a contract into a covenant, praise God. That's what the tests are for many times. Amen. To pull you out because it's not about you. It's about who we represent. It's about us. There's an us in Jesus. You see, here's the thing. When you trust God's word, see, people can argue I don't know why I'm going through this, Pastor. I don't know. You know, it, it's, it's, you know what, what we believe and what we say. Well, I believe the word of God. Okay, well, then you wait till you get a cancer's report from the doctor. And you'll find out real quick that fear's entered into your life and doubt's entered your life. And does God love you? There's a gap. What's the gap? It's got a faith issue there. And God reveals the gap in our life to bring us into a place of trust and covenant and loyalty with him. Because he knows what's best for me. And here's the deal. People, pe people can argue with you about the word of God. They can argue about whether God spoke to a few dozen people to write what's in the forever word of God. But people are never, amen, your testimony is never at the mercy and judgment of someone else hearing it. That's what the, that's what the testimony does. So you got problems at home? Go to church. Don't stay home. Get to the house of God. You, we know, and I realize I'm preaching to the church choir tonight, but we know there's mountaintops. We know there's valley. And we know what scripture says, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. But how many can testify tonight? Come on, really think about it. When you're going in these moments you don't understand and the teacher's always quiet during the test and you don't feel God anymore, you better go back to the moment, amen, when you came to the house of the Lord and maybe you got delivered on a night, you got a testimony. It's a good time just to get out and say, I don't understand it right now, but I remember the day you filled me with the Holy Ghost. I remember the day you healed my sick body. I remember the day you brought me out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Sometimes... 
Sometimes when things aren't going right in your church, and I don't know why I'm preaching like this, because I know, I know where, there's, where there's no oxen, where there's no mess, and where there's much oxen, there's much mess. Sometimes I got to think myself happy. Amen. You, you, you have to learn how to, you, you got to learn how to, 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 to pray through things. An old term back in the day we used to use, they, need, they prayed back through to the Holy Ghost. We need to pray back through to the Holy Ghost. Because you can pray through your anxieties, you can pray through your fears, or you can pray through your troubles, amen. You can pray back through to God. Amen. Why? There's a legacy. I really believe this. I believe that we're reaping last generation's sowing. The reason why we're having revival is not because of anything we're doing now. We are, we are planting things for the future so there's a legacy and a heritage. That's why the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I'm sure if Bishop Ferris and Guy Smith could get up here and talk a little bit, they, they talk about all the good things, but they'll tell you there were some tough times in the church too. But here we are, we're going to celebrate, what, 80 years? 80 years. Because somebody said, you know what? You know what, how was Prophet Samuel born? Out of all this chaos in the home, and then, you know what? It was because there was a covenant made. It was because there was a sacrifice made. I can't tell you, please be seated. I can't tell you how many times I remember growing up, my dad, he worked in the coal mines. He worked in the coal mines at Sunny Hill in New Lex. And I remember, I remember being in the youth group, sit like where the youth kids are at. And come 745, I'd turn back and I would look and my dad would be sitting back there. He would come in with 15 minutes left in church. And some people say, well, it's only 15 minutes left in church. What good can you get out of that? You missed worship service, you missed half the preaching. But I believe my dad did that because when I looked back there and saw him, it put something in this boy's heart that made him realize the house of God, amen, is the most important thing that you have. And I'm going to come and get Get the last 15 minutes of the service and son I'm going to let you know amen 15 minutes in the house of the Lord is better than being in the whole service so I'm going to do something for your legacy the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is and exhorting one another as much you, as more you see the day approaching and when it comes to getting, putting our lives together, could we all witness, give a witness that there's some assembly required? I don't know about you, but when I came to church, I was a mess. It takes all kinds of people to build a church. But I tell people all the time in our church that I pastor, I said, please give God something to work with. You're here today. Give God your hope. Give him your faith. Give God something to work with because he's always a God of what's left. If you take what little and give it to him, he'll press down, shake it over, and he'll, he'll never leave you like he found you. If you come to church, he'll say he'll never leave you like he found you. Give God something to work with. Assemble ourselves together. You know, it didn't happen overnight. But I, when I first came to church, it was like a it was like a contrary. It's like, what what can the Lord do for me? And that's what people make it about. The, you know, the elements of a legacy is it can't be always about what God's doing for you. And as long as God's blessing me and my family's getting treated right and I'm getting elevated and I'm doing this, then I'll stay here at the anchor church. But it's not about that. The contract is not about you. It's about who we represent. Praise God. It's about and you got to get from a place of contract to covenant, Amen, and allow God to flow in your life. You know what it's like? You know what it's like at Christmas time? And I'm a, I'm a grandpa now. My kids are grown up. But I remember when I was younger. Thank God. All you young parents, I'm, I'm hats off to you. Praise God. I'm, I'm enjoying, the, start enjoying the empty nest deal almost. And, uh, but you know what it's like Christmas morning? You get up. You got all them Christmas presents. You, you got the little tykes, this and that for your kids. And you got all these little Lego things. And, and uh, they open the gifts. And I want to open that. I want to open that. And I want to open, open this, Dad. Open this. Come on, any dad's ever been there? And then you look at, uh, it all looks fun, and then you look at the box, and it says, some assembly required. And, you know, because we don't like to look at the directions, because dad's, you know, we look at the picture, we got it. And then you got 10 bolts left over, and you wonder, like, this thing's a mess, my kid can't even ride on it, where's this bolt go? But you know what? 
That's, that's the way it is with the word of God sometimes. We think we know what's best. And if we're not careful, you know, we're trying to close that gap in our life. And it's not always what I want. It's about what he wants to do in my life. And that's what happens when we come and assemble together. Pastor preaches the word and he, he works on our life. And, and God tempers us and shakes us and, and molds us. Why? Because there's a harvest to be had. You know, it's, it's assembly. Elkanah went to church to worship and the Bible says he loved Santa, Hannah, but she had an issue. The Lord had shut her womb up. She was unable to bear children and her rival Penaniah would provoke her and irritate her. It's kind of like Cinderella and her wicked stepsisters. Penaniah, the Bible says, provoked Hannah daily with hurtful words. He don't care for you like he cares for me. Because I've got children and you don't. You know, she had, a, she had a big mouth, so to speak. And Hannah had an adversary. In the New Testament, the Bible tells us that the church has an adversary. The Bible tells us to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary is walking around seeking whom he may devour. The Bible in Revelations calls him the accuser of the brethren, if you will. The Bible actually tells us in these last days that hell hath enlarged herself and opened its mouth without measure. And I'm going to tell you something. When you lend an ear to the adversary, it's never going to be for the benefit of you. It'll always be for the down, for, for, the, for the downward spiral of you. And the devil tells you that you're not going to be missed if you don't show up on Sunday and always trying to tear you down. You missed a searcher. They know what you did. They know where you've been. They know what you was looking at. They don't love you. Pastor just wants the envelope every Sunday morning. He just, he just needs your money to have the church function. But I'm going to tell you something. The devil's afraid that you're going to see the value of giving in the church. Amen. The devil's going afraid to see the value of rendering and, and uh, rendering the benefits of coming into covenant with God. Amen. And now the devil is really sneaky because you come to church and you like what you feel. I promise you it happens every time with new converts and then boom, the criticism comes. Why, why do you give so much money to that church? And why are you at that church all the time? Why are you involved in those small groups? You, you can do what you want. I'm going to tell you something and the devil shows up a lot of time in your own family. Amen. All of a sudden nobody cares about what you're doing or where you've been and now all of a sudden you don't have to go to that church. They believe this and they believe that. But can I tell you today, don't, you're not going to make God a liar. Can I say that? You're not going to make God a liar. God, it's impossible for God to lie. But the devil is the father of all lies. And the truth is not in him, praise God. Amen. And I'm going to tell you today, you can trust the word of God. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't change. Don't let anybody tell you that you cannot achieve your goals. Don't let anybody tell you that you cannot fulfill the will of God in your life. I don't read one time in scripture where somebody told Elkanah you came out of a bad lineage. You can't have a legacy. You came out of rebellion. But somewhere along the line, something got a hold of Elkanah and said if, said, if my family's going to have success and I'm going to have a legacy. If a Samuel is going to be born to help David arise to the king. See, that's the thing. You don't realize who you're bringing up and what role they're going to fulfill in the kingdom of God. That's why you got to have a proper perspective of what's going on in your life and make the main thing the main thing. She was so intent hearing from God that Eli thought she was drunk. I mean, that, that would be hurtful to come to church and you have a burden and the pastor's not sensitive enough to connect with you her mouth was moving but Eli couldn't hear anything and assumed but she communicated with him and told him that's not the case and she said I poured out my spirit my soul before the Lord she had a need God give me a child when's the last time that you really came to the Lord with your need when's the last time you got on your hands and knees and Tears were flowing down your face about a life-altering decision. When's the last time? 
You ever cried till there's no tears left? See, we're all flawed in this building today. But we don't want to admit it. We might be fooling everybody here in this house today. But we're not fooling God. He knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. And when God moves, we have a responsibility to respond to the moving of his spirit. Sometimes people get out in the aisles and dance and shout. Some just clap their hands. Some let the tears flow. But I love the persistence of Eli because it was persistence and faithfulness that helped him build a legacy for Samuel. And through the persistence, through the adversary, through the issues at home and through the issues at church, we find God gave Hannah a song. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, if we'd like the music to come tonight so I can close. The Bible says, Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, and my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies. Hallelujah. Uh, the devil's got a big mouth, but we got some big mouths in this place too. You got to let your voice rise above your adversary. Oh, we got so much to be thankful for. Her song was, there's none as holy as the Lord. She didn't understand the season that she was in and the test that she was going through. But she intently prayed to God until God responded to her and gave her the son. And she made a vow to give him back to the Lord and she fulfilled that vow. There's none holy as the Lord our God, for there's none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more and exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him are actions weighed. Amen. I want us to all stand tonight. I do feel something here in the spirit tonight. I promise you, you keep coming to the house of the Lord, God's not going to leave you like he found you. And it's always for the better of us. I really believe God is trying his best to reveal the gap in our life from what we believe and the way we act. Because he's trying to create a spiritual sensitivity in his body. See, God doesn't change. His attributes are the same. Come on, I want, I want this right now. I feel this. If, if you're in this place tonight, and maybe you're just in a season you don't understand, you're in a safe place tonight. But I feel like the Lord has sent me to minister here tonight to encourage somebody. And if you're maybe going through a little something you don't understand, maybe it's this current season, maybe it's in the past a little bit, maybe it's, we've all been there at times, but I want, I want you to make your way to this altar right now. Come on all over this house. <laughs> 2018 was probably... As a church family, it was very tough for us as a church to be told that when you have structural engineers going up to your, going up into the building of your church, a place where you come and worship, and you go up into that attic, and the structural engineer starts floating the stuff around, and he says, he says, oh, he said, we need to back down out of here really slow. And I knew it wasn't good at that point. And, I mean, it's amazing how quick things can change. We just had church Sunday, but then that following Tuesday, he comes back and he says, you can't have church here. This, this building's not safe to be in. It didn't matter whether I said about little girl saw the angels in the corner of the room. It didn't matter. It's, it's just now we know. Now we know. Now we have a responsibility to do something about it. To be told that you couldn't come to church with your church family and worship God, it was... It was hard to, 
I can't tell you, my, my wife probably wept more than I did. But I think sometimes there's a verse in Hebrews that I had a dream. The Lord gave me a dream one night. And it was very vivid. And I'm not a big dreamer and I don't claim to see visions and things like that. But I know this was from the Lord. And I woke up and I was in this dream and I was in this old house. It was beautiful. And when my wife and I walked into the house. Nobody else was with us. Nobody was in the home. And all of a sudden, as soon as I walked in the house, everything began to shake violently. I mean, it startled me. I could, I could smell the dust. I could smell the, everything was just surreal. And I, I could see all that. And everything started shaking. And then, it like as fast as it started, it stopped. And I looked around and i like, everything's okay. I mean, it startled us. And then I, I began to ask the Lord, what was this all about? And it took me to a verse in Hebrews that says, that which can be shaken will be shaken. You see, sometimes God... You know, it's kind of like God deals with us gently. You know, Lauren, how like you, you, you like to get up and go to school? You do? I never. So do you like to get up and go to school? Do you like when the alarm clock goes off early in the morning? No, I didn't either. But mom in her, you know, gentle voice will come and say, you know, hey, hey, Tony, it's time to get up. Like, okay. Lay back down, go back to sleep. Then all of a sudden, you know, because mom loves you and she wants you to be on time. Hey, get up. Okay. And then like the third time. Get up. She got to shake you. Because she don't want you to be late. And sometimes God puts us through these seasons we don't understand to shake us. To create a spiritual sensitivity in us. Sometimes those wilderness things we don't understand. God led the children of Israel. Watch this. God led the children of Israel into the wilderness and they came out bitter. And God, listen, God's in control of seasons. We, God leads us into the wilderness. We choose how we come out. And there's this thing about seasons, and here's what I feel to tell somebody tonight. Genesis 8, the, the law of initial precedence with seasons is they shall not cease. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 8, it, or Daniel chapter 2, it records, he changeth the times and the seasons, and he removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Why do I have to have seasons? Why? Because there, there's going to be a harvest. You have to have seasons if there's going to be a harvest. I think Elkanah understood this. It wasn't a good season for his family. Things weren't exactly right. We could call it a winter season, but something inside of him said, you know what, let's go. We're going to the house of God to sacrifice. We're going to get there. You see, seasons are certain, but seasons end, and seasons are God's ideas. And God's in control of seasons, and hell can't do anything about the seasons that God allows in our life. And I believe God's looking for some seasoned saints. Come on, we've been, I'm telling you, all of our churches have been through some things. Pastor Gators, you'll find out you got some seasoned saints. Where's he at? Got some seasoned saints. Trying to get a church built. A lot of people might have thrown in the towel and said, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but you know what? It's a season. You season food, why? For flavor. Season improves the taste. That's why you have to season some things more than others because the goal of the seasoning is to make it tender. See, our problem is because of a lack of spiritual sensitivity at times, we don't know the reason for the season. And what happens is we suck our thumb. And we hope it just goes away. And we always think it's from hell and not from heaven. And people don't know how to act in their season. We get attitudes with seasons. We understand our purpose and the goal of the anchor church, but we get frustrated by the seasons that we get in. 
That's why we have to be careful when, the, when you come to church and the pastor preaches the word of the Lord. Don't be like Felix when Paul came to him. I get it, but don't no. come to me when you have a more convenient season. You wonder why Paul told young Timothy in, in, in 2 Timothy 4 and 2, he said, young, young Timothy, you better remember this. He said, I need you to be instant in season and also out of season. Why? Because there's going to be a harvest. You, you, you can't have a summer without a winter. And God, and God does these things to his body. Not that he's being cruel to us, but he's, he's maturing us so that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Come on, somebody. I want you to lift your hands with me in this house tonight. Come on, all over this place, God's going to send the rain. The reason why he does this is because there's going to be a harvest. Come on, the rain. The rain only matters to those that have seed in the ground. If you don't have seed in the ground, the rain's going to be a nuisance. But I just feel like there's been some seed planted in this church. I believe there's some legacy in this church. Come on, if if you've got it sowed, you can expect the harvest. I know there's dry seasons, but sow the seed anyway. Come on, somebody, all over this house. Lord, we trust you, God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, Hannah. I know there's some adversaries, but pray that prayer again, Hannah. Not everybody understands. Come on, the church is the bride of Christ, that which produces. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, there's birthing pains in a harvest. But when you see that baby, when you see that convert, you're going to say it was worth every pain. It was worth every test. It was worth every trial. When you see that grandson, Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.